As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, what's up? We have made it. Week one of the NFL season is here. It starts tonight as we are actually doing this. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, it's what, nine hours away? I think my math is right there from kickoff between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Week one of the NFL season has arrived. We are pumped. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, and Jake Seeley here with you to do our week one rankings episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Guys, we did it. We can put all of that preseason Joe Buck behind us, the 340 touchdowns. Those are coming starting on Sunday. We can put that all behind and look ahead. How excited are you guys for today? Fawson, you're just waiting? You're just sitting here in I'm, silence? I'm, I'm deferring to you. I'm, I'm letting you go first. How excited are you? You didn't seem too excited. <laughs> uh, that's because I'm not going to be excited until what, what 8 0 or 8 17 or 13 or so. Like, what? Well, I'll be super excited once it kicks off, but I just need to get there first. That's because I, I'm trying to update Eastern. right now. I'm updating still as we're Eastern things are going zone. on because we have the Austin Eckler and whatever. We don't need to specify Eastern time zone. Nobody <laughs> thinks it's anything but. Uh, no, I, no, I'm I just saying. Beg that, to I differ. Specify the same. That sounds like 8 8 7. That just sound, that sounds terrible. Just like just hearing that as a like game start time makes me shudder. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I will say it is this weird kind of convergent zone of where as a fanalist, you know, quote unquote, where you're still kind of, you know, ranking for the for the season, ranking for week one. I know that's, that's as an editor taking care time. of. Yeah, exactly. It's it'll be better in yeah. week two at this time. All right, all right. I hear you guys completely. Well, we're putting that to bed in nine hours and we are getting ready. Jake feels like maybe get put to bed right after that 817 kickoff time. My God. Geez, the worst the worst time zone in America. Who goes for to bed before midnight anyway? <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just saying it's it, it's a brutal it's a brutal time zone for sports. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about week one rankings, and we are going to dive right in. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of seasons, you know we do here: quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends. In that order, we go back and forth. We try to hit on guys at the fringes, guys who are interesting, guys who have. Um, you know, injury questions, things like that. We're not going to tell you start Patrick Mahomes or start Derrick Henry. We're going to get on those guys at the fringes and use our time 
wisely. The first guy who I'm going to start with at the quarterback position is a guy who has a pretty tough matchup this week. You drafted Justin Herbert to be your starter, no question about that. And I have to imagine that most people who have him are starting him, but this is a West Coast to East Coast trip for the Chargers. It is a 1 p.m. Eastern start, so that body clock is on 10 a.m. for those Chargers. And a very tough defense in Washington. Austin Eckler now is dealing with his hamstring injury. Jake, what say you on Justin Herbert for week one? Are you just going to title the show Time Zone <laughs> Discrepancies or whatever? <laughs> the like, Time Zone like... show of the Athletic <laughs> Fantasy Football Podcast. <laughs> it, this is kind of similar to somebody earlier today is like, do am I crazy for benching Dak Prescott for Trevor Lawrence? And I'm like, yes. Like, was, yes. You, what did you draft <laughs> Justin Her Herbert for? Like, you could have been on my side of it and said, I have concerns about Justin Herbert in year two because you saw some of the teams adjust to him late. You could argue in the flip side and say, well, devil's advocate to the teams playing well against him. One was the Bills, one was the Dolphins, and one was Bill Belichick, and he does that to all rookies, blah, 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 blah. So you could go either way with it. The point was, I still had him as a ten top 10 quarterback, and if you drafted him, you're starting them. Like uh, it's week one. I like don't overthink things right out of the gate. And that's the biggest thing. It's like you said, you were not going to talk about do you start Dalvin Cook? Well, because we shouldn't be talking about benching your studs, period. Like, and if you drafted Justin Herbert, you drafted him as a stud. That's really what it comes down to. Like you didn't draft this isn't Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. This is Justin Herbert you drafted inside the top ten. Listen, I, I have him ranked lower than you, Jake. Um, but I, I don't really, you know, I'm not gonna differ with your point. Um thing is Where do you have him. I have him at 15, so I still have him okay. as above-average quarterback. I just think that there are some concerns here with the new with the new coach, with the fact that he hasn't played, and with the fact that he's on the road in week one. And, you know, you're going to try to try out your new system against Chase Young and Montez Sweat. But I'm looking at all the guys I ranked in the, in the QB1 range, and I don't really imagine a team that would have Justin Herbert and some of those other guys, all the other right. guys are what? pretty much, they're pretty much QB ones are very, very borderline QB ones. I have answered a couple questions this morning, which was, am I really going to start Jalen hurts over Justin Herbert? And I said, yeah, if I had those two quarterbacks, I think the, the expectation of 60 plus rushing yards from Jalen hurts raises mm -hmm. the floor to a point that's better than where I feel Justin Herbert's is this morning. Yeah. It's an important point to make that uh, most likely, even if you don't like this matchup, you probably you, you made it if you have Justin Herbert and someone who you could realistically start over Justin Herbert in a one quarterback league right off the bat. You made a you draft poorly. That, you drafted. Well, wrong. think about that. <laughs> I mean, I have him as QB 15 and I'm probably thinking this is probably the lowest I'll rank him all year. So that, that you should feel good about that. Justin Herbert did have like five or six games last year where he wasn't a QB one. So it happens. Right. But if the worst you're going to get is 15, you can live with it. Yeah. Well, on top of it, too, to is like everyone. you could fall into. So a couple of years ago, this was the year it was after. So it was Matt Ryan 2016. Then he went down in 2000, down as in performance. Then he bounced back in 2018. And that was the year that, you know, Ryan and Breeze both were playing really well inside the top 10. Somebody fell into it because nobody wanted Ryan. And I'm only bringing this up to say, like, he fell into that situation. Then all every single week it was, oh, do I start Ryan or Breeze or Ryan or Breeze? And he made the more, wrong choice more often than like you just want to stick with one. So I'm. Um, bringing that up to say we're joking that you made a draft mistake but maybe you drafted super early or maybe your league just doesn't draft I've seen people say I didn't want to take a second quarterback but Joe Burrow was still there in the 14th like so so I could see that but if that happens mm -hmm. get out of it in a trade just get away from it as soon as possible because you're going to be running you're going to be chasing your own tail for most of the year 
Couldn't agree it's more. a headache that yeah. you really just don't want to deal with, and that's the bottom line here. So Justin Herbert, a tough matchup against Washington, but still getting the stamp of approval for most every league. How about Kirk Cousins? This feels like a much friendlier matchup for him. He's going into Cincinnati. Vikings are three-point favorites on BetMGM at my last check, and we've got Kirk Cousins taking on those Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Brandy, you take this one first. Your feelings on Cousins in this uh, Minnesota passing game going into this one. Yeah, this is one of those ones. If Kirk Cousins is your guy, that's this is great. You know, I have him ranked, I think, 13th or 14th, uh, right on the fringe of the QB1. And honestly, because he's in such a conservative offense, because – you know, he's not the guy that typically is going to get you 400 yards in a, in a blowout game or, a, you know, a big game for him with like three or four touchdowns. I usually put a cap on his ceiling at right around, you know, this is this, you know, me ranking him 13, 14 is usually where I feel really good about Kirk Cousins. So, um, yeah, the, the, the matchup's great. And I would expect Kirk Cousins to be a solid play this week. But again, I'm just, you know, I'm not I'm not typically going to push him all the way up into that, you know, that you know, top 10 range, top 12 range, uh, even in a good matchup. Yeah, this is the first one of the season. Check the link. Boom. Done. <laughs> he's, he's my sleeper quarterback of the week. Uh, he, I jokingly said it went from Ryan Tannehill being the most disrespected quarterback in fantasy. And now that nobody treats him like that anymore, we give it to Kirk Cousins. Yes, he doesn't have a 30, 35 point ceiling, but he's one of the most consistent and finished as QB 12 in points per game in points per game, even with negative points in week two for how abysmal that game was, (laughs) he was still QB 12 in points per game. So one of the most consistent and it's a great uh, look, the Bengals, no defense, the Vikings. Yeah, sure. They got a lot of pieces back and add pieces, but let's see it first. Yeah. Yeah, The secondary is still questionable. This Mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes. Like I saw the over under on this one. I felt like this might be an intriguing over uh, for the pace of this game too. Yeah, what, yeah, this what, should be a fun game for fantasy purposes when you think about all the slam dunk starters on both sides of this game. And we are actually going to get into one of those guys a little bit later in the show. Jake, I know your I think your favorite thing in all of sports, your absolute 100% favorite thing is the revenge game narrative. You love it. You <laughs> buy into it. You trust it. You live your life by the revenge game narrative. So it can only be like Christmas morning for you on Sunday. When Sam Darnold, of all people, gets a revenge game against the New York Jets, Panthers are actually five-point favorites in this game at home against the Jets. What are we thinking about Darnold? Obviously, probably not someone you're pushing into QB1 status, but a super flex starter, a guy who can keep afloat, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, that Carolina passing game. Where are you at on this one, Jake? I'm at, like, don't confuse people if this is their first episode listening. Hopefully, if everybody understands the sarcasm that was coming through, but the revenge is, like, contract your, like, the biggest load of horse manure piles and everything. Like, they do. people only remember when it happens. They don't remember the other 70% of the time when it doesn't. So, let's clear that up just in case. <laughs> Sam Darnold, yeah, look, we've only got that brief one game showing of what happened in the preseason. It looked better than most of his career. And that brief showing, most of his entire career with the Jets. And, of course, you know, we could argue he's got better weapons than he ever had with the Jets. Uh, You know, still on the Jets' side of the ball, you know, they've made some opportunities for their defense to be able to get after the quarterback, you know, and that's the bigger question is that Sam Darnold, with or without pressure, has just not looked good. Like, he's actually one of the worst-rated quarterbacks without pressure and then with pressure. Like, so it's just – 
does it matter for him and does the pressure get to him at all and does it happen but you know do they come out and just rely on Christian McCaffrey right out of the gate and then just let Sam Darnold be Kirk Cousins like so I'm not starting Sam Darnold this is I'm interested I'm interested in both sides of this game I'm really interested just to see how this game looks from a lot of Mm -hmm. players involved like we were talking about before the show we're we're, Brandon agreed we're gonna have fun just watching tonight's game being Thursday it just but there's not a lot to learn from it. Like we know the guys, this game feels like there's going to be a lot to learn from it. Yeah. And by the way, Robbie Anderson's buying into the revenge game narrative. He's already come out and said that he's, you know, plans on showing the jets that they were wrong and letting him go. But, uh, so I have Darnold at 21. I, I, unless he shows me a ton, this is probably as high as I typically will ever go on, on Sam Darnold. Um, the jets Hmm. secondary is terrible. I always, you know, I look at my Seattle Seahawks and look at how bad this, the corners are here. I think the Jets are right there with them. I think they're starting like a sixth round rookie or, you know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity for Darnold with a lot better weapons than he had last year in the Jets. So I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how he's going to show out. But I do not have him ranked as a top 20 quarterback. Agree with you, Jake, that uh, in terms of just what we're going to learn and what we're going to learn about players and roles and all that, that this is probably toward the top of the list of week one games and maybe some sneaky high scoring potential in this one with the uh, secondary issues in New York and just what uh, the uh, what the Jets offense maybe is able to be able to come back with. Let's take a look at the first overall pick in this year's draft, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars going to Houston to take on the Texans. It's an interesting game from the standpoint of um, Survivor, I think especially because so many people are going to want to just pick against the Texans reflexively, but (laughs) maybe not necessarily the softest spot in week one. You got Lawrence going on the road here, taking on the Texans. What are your expectations, Brandon, for his first career start? Well, this is a a – you know, intrigue game for me and, and watch and see how it goes. I mean, you have arguably the worst offensive line against the worst defensive line. So, you know, it, I mean, it's a fair, it's a fair argument to, to make. I, I, I put Trevor Lawrence right exactly in the middle at 16. Um, it's a great matchup, but I just don't know what we're going to get from the Jaguars, from Urban Meyer, from Trevor Lawrence in his first game with that awful offensive line. Uh, it's a great matchup. I would have him lower if it was a tougher matchup, but I think, you know, at this point, you know, I, I had a lot of teams where I have at least two or three teams where I drafted Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. I'm playing Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. I'm probably looking in most places, unless I'm in a really deeper league, of sitting Trevor Lawrence, even this good matchup, because I, if I had two guys of similar ilk, I'm probably starting the, the veteran guy. Yeah, I'm not going for Trevor Lawrence, despite being, you know, the Trevor Lawrence stand or whatever like that. It really comes down to is because what you kind of alluded at the start, is that if we expect the Jaguars to be in control of one of the few games they should be in control in, how much is Trevor Lawrence really going to be throwing the ball? Like, is he really need? Does he need to throw the ball for three hundred yards and three touchdowns? No. Like this is this should be probably it, it, for all intents and purposes this should be a walkover for the Jaguars, even though the Jaguars are a questionable team. So if it's a twenty-four to ten type game and it's not you know high scoring and not pushed on both sides, you know two forty and maybe two touchdowns, and they rely on James Robinson and Carlos Hyde in the backfield and stuff like that. So that's really what it comes down to is just I don't even think Trevor Lawrence needs to come out firing. Yeah, and it's because we had a question here. Oh, oh, go ahead, Brandon. I was just gonna say it's also the second lowest over under score, which you know you have to yeah, factor into right. you know your rankings. I think that's my maybe they're giving the Texans three points. Maybe so. That's <laughs> I think two and a half is what I saw, but it could be three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
it's uh, it'll be an interesting one to watch from that standpoint as well. We've got a question here uh, from Alex Bernstein. It's about Ben Roethlisberger, really over the whole year. But let's just talk about Ben for Week One against the Buffalo Bills. It's been one of the interesting ranking or the draft season discussions, right? Because we had Deontay Johnson roundly a top twenty wide receiver. Chase Claypool, Juju, they were going you know, what, at worst as wide receiver threes in pretty much every single draft you're in. But then Ben Roethlisberger really couldn't sniff a top even 15 quarterback ranking in the draft season. So how do you guys feel about him here in week one? Go ahead, Jake. I had the last one. So I'll give, I'll give you first, oh, no, I thought you were first, to do, first charge with Roethlisberger. I mean, Roethlisberger is just, uh, why? Like, Because he doesn't run, so he has to do it with all his arm. And he's done it before, but that was years ago. So he basically, what I keep saying about a lot of these quarterbacks that don't run, and especially the veterans, is they essentially have to do what Tom Brady just did. And even if you do what Tom Brady just did, he was still low-end QB1 in points per game. Low-end. He just went ballistic. <laughs> One of his career best years at the end of his career. So do you think Ben Roethlisberger can get to that? Mm-hmm then no, I, I just have no interest just because of that. Like, and that's the same. Put it this, what's the difference between Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan? And nobody wants Matt Ryan. Nobody wants right. Matt Ryan. So why? I, I get the fact I, that Roethlisberger can bounce back, and maybe that's why people feel like he's disrespected. But if you don't want Matt Ryan, then you don't want Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I think a lot of value for Ben Ben the last couple of years that he's played has been just volume, massive volume. Mm-hmm. Still, he'll still be a high-volume guy, but they did bring in Najee Harris. I don't think they want to be as high volume as they've been, and that's going to bring him down. As Jake says, he doesn't run. He's just kind of, uh, he's that he's the boring QB two now, you know. And um, there's just not there's just not a lot, ton of upside unless he suddenly unlocks his deep ball again and is, is magically throwing 20, 30, 30 yards downfield with proficiency. Let's get to one last thing really quickly here again, really quickly. Give me 30, 45 seconds tops. An unlikely quarterback starter who could surprise this week. Who do you got, Jake? Baker Mayfield. Uh, looks calm and confident in the preseason, and this game had a 50-plus point over-under in the playoffs last year. Surprised everybody with how terrible they kind of both played. Uh, this would just be the surprise playing the Chiefs. Yeah, I have I have Baker Mayfield ranked decent uh i would say a, a real big surprise would be carson wentz if if the seahawks don't get any pressure on carson wentz that secondary as i mentioned is terrible so carson wentz could throw two three touchdowns throw for 250 yards i would not be shocked all right that's our look at the quarterback position for week one of the nfl season getting our fantasy lineups in order looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Let's move on to the running back position now, you guys. And I want to talk about Saquon Barkley again. You're going to start Saquon Barkley. There's no question about that. He's going to play for the Giants. He's going to play for you. But what are our expectations? What are realistic expectations for him in week one, Jake? Coming off the ACL, he really hasn't done much in summer. Hmm. He doesn't need to do much. We just need him to be healthy. What are you expecting out of Saquon Barkley? And what could be a really tough spot for the Giants against the Broncos at home this week? My expectancy is one: if you drafted him, you're starting him. Like unless you, well, no, no, unless you drafted super early and you fell into Daryl Henderson or Gus Edwards or something like that, where you know those were your third running backs, and you only want to start two. I don't, you know, I would still go him over Daryl Henderson, but it's close enough that if you want to make that call, I'm okay with it. I actually am starting Gus Edwards over Saquon Barkley if I could, because I have Barkley at 15. And to what we just said about Herbert with Brandon, it might be the lowest I ever see him. But let's talk about week one last year. It was still a valuable fantasy game, but why? Six for 60 receiving. He did nothing with multiple, many rushing attempts. And it's a bad matchup, and it's the injury. It's like, there's a lot of concerns. We don't know. We won't know until we see it. Of course, he could come out, rip off three runs for 50 yards, and they just let the chains loose, and he touches the ball 20 times. I I think that's unlikely, uh, but it is a possibility. But if I could bench Barkley, again, I have to have elite options, top 15 options to do so. But I could see a scenario where you do just because we don't know what's going to happen in that offensive line. To Just yesterday, Dan Dugan was still talking about the fact they haven't figured out their offensive line. The Solder <laughs> likely starting at right tackle and Pert likely. They still haven't figured out their offensive line and we're three days away. Yeah, I mean, I'm 23 on Barkley, so but a lot of the same things that Jake said apply. I mean, he's still an RB2 technically, but, you know, if you should be. I, I in every league I'm in, I'm starting at least three running backs this week. I mean, you you know, if you have multiple flexes, whatever, you're gonna fi- figure out a way to get Barkley in there. But this one, is, I think, is fraught with parallels. Jake said this offensive line. I just said Jacksonville was the worst offensive line. If, you, if anybody's throwing an argument to me, they're probably using the Giants as their argument because that's a bad <laughs> offensive line. And we know he's going to be limited. Every beat writer who covers the Giants has said, you know, he's going to be limited maybe for the whole month of September, but most definitely week one. And then you throw Denver into it jake talked mm-hmm. about last year barkley's first game not being great but it saved it by you know the receiving yards but look back to 2019 his last sort of full year he had the eight eight carry for 10 yard game a 13 carry for one yard game a 14 carry for 28 yard game so it's not always automatic for him in the rushing game and if he's limited i have some you know i have some big concerns denver is sitting at like minus two and a half minus three depending on where and when you look and I don't know. That just feels like a gift in this matchup. Uh, Saquon, you're going to start him almost certainly. Jake, thank you for the clarification, though, on some places where maybe you won't start him. Another guy who maybe falls into that, most people will, maybe you won't, especially depending on when you drafted your teams, which is important in week one, is Miles Gaskin. Dolphins going to New England and another one of those. We're going to learn a lot in week one about teams sort of games uh, here with the Dolphins and the Patriots getting together. Patriots only field goal favorites uh, at home here in this game. And, you know, Miles Gaskin started the summer very hot. Things cooled off when Malcolm Brown suddenly had this big role in the offense off the bat. Brandon, where do you land on him for this week one matchup against the Patriots? 
Yeah, I'm smack dab in the mid twenties on him, like just the back endest of RB twos, the very first of RB threes. Like the back he, endest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if I'm imagining the Miles Gaskin role, I, I think it's maybe like a dozen carries, but I think he could catch five or six balls. And you look at New England last year, gave up 101 uh, receptions to running backs. You know, it's not exactly the same defense, and there'll be some guys added there. But I. I my point here is I think Tua is going to be looking to his safety valve options a little bit more in this game. That's why I've, I've ranked Mike Kosecki a little bit higher than I might normally as well. I just think Miles Gaskin's going to be really good in the PPR sense. That's just kind of my, you know, that's my projection of how things are going to work out. But it, it's it's one of those games I think we're going to be very attuned to in, in terms of watching how this backfield usage works for Miami. If you went wide receiver heavy, maybe you have to start Gaskin as your number two. Uh, and Foss and I generally, you know, I'm the I'm running backs everywhere, and I love to run, have running backs in my flex. This would be one of the situations where I would go wide receiver if I could. I have Mask Gaskin down at 27. I would even go Javante Williams in front of him at this point, just until it, for two reasons. One, as you mentioned, it's not the best matchup, but we're all sitting here this entire preseason speculating and all in agreement saying this, but even we could be wrong is that Gaskin should get that majority share with Ahmed and Brown splitting the second share. But what if it's a full blown committee and nobody's getting even 45%? And that's my biggest concern. It doesn't seem like that's the case. And Brandon's you've brought that up many times about floors and his history, but as we've seen, coaches change. You know, for the entire history of Andy Reid, we were saying he does this, and we we're saying Doug Peterson does this. And then sometimes, because of your talent, the situation changed. Bill Belichick, he had Lawrence Maroney and Corey Dillon. Like, he used to go Bell Cowie. And then for years, he wasn't. You know, and now we're saying he could go back to doing it with Damian Harris. So, are you laughing at Bell Cowie? <laughs> Bell Cowie, back, yeah. Back endist and Bell Cowie. What else can we get? Can we just uh, come up Web- with? Let's get Webster's on the line here because we are <laughs> inventing some pretty useful words, I have to say here. I hear you guys on Gaskin. It is a, a very – he's in that middle of the road where it's going to depend largely on the rest of your roster, whether you want to play him or not. And we actually have a question coming up that's going to address that. But before we get to that, I want to get to the Lions backfield, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. This is a very tough game against San Francisco. The Lions are seven-and-a-half-point dogs at home, so that's in your mind already. We know that we might not know about Swift until game time. That's in your mind already. Jamal Williams would step into a larger role, of course, if Swift is out. But then what does that look like against the San Francisco defense, especially who plays the script, blah, 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 blah. Jake, what do you think (laughs) about this Detroit backfield in week one? If Swift is out, it's easy. I'm starting Jamal Williams. There's not even a question. I don't even care if you're just placing the 49ers defense times two. Who else is touching the ball in that backfield with Jamal Williams? Yeah. That, that's really what it comes down to. I Give me the volume. At worst case, what is it, 20 touches and he only gets you 65 yards? That's still flex value at worst. So that's the upside. If DeAndre Swift is starting, I, I lean slightly Swift, but I don't really want to start either one of them because there's two things here. Let's go back to Barkley. And I said this yesterday on the All in Football podcast with Jeff Ratcliffe. And I said, let's be real about it. Everybody wants to say, oh, I don't know what's going on with Barkley. I don't know if I want to start him. I don't want to take him in the first round. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, right? Barkley's at least been practicing. DeAndre Swift this entire time until yesterday wasn't even on the practice field. And everybody's like, oh, DeAndre Swift is back. Let's start him. Week one. Yeah. (laughs) Like, really? Really? And we're doing this? And let's add to it. Well, I said two things. Let's add to the fact that Anthony Lynn has never stopped saying, not once has stopped saying, who's his lead? Jamal Williams. Mm -hmm. He keeps saying Jamal Williams is his lead running back and hasn't come off that. I think this is going to be a split backfield 60-40 at best for Swift, more likely 50-50. 
Yeah, you, st- you said exactly what I was going to say. I was going to compare it to the Saquon Barkley situation. You just say it's worse for, for Swift because yeah. of Anthony Lynn talking about how much he likes Jamal Williams. You're not hearing anybody in the Giants talking about Devontae Booker. Because <laughs> he's yeah. Devontae Booker. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and that's why I have to, I have Swift down, I, I think, at like RB30. I'm I definitely a little bit leery of this one. All right, guys, I want to get into a little bit different of a discussion. This is something where they're going to bring in every single episode, obviously, especially when we get into the running back and wide receiver discussions here. It's going to depend on your roster. There's no cookie-cutter approach unless we're talking about someone at the very top or someone at the very bottom. It's going to depend on your roster, going to depend on your league settings, going to depend on all of that. So I want to ask you guys this. Who's someone who's in that running back three area? Maybe a Mm. Miles Gaskin type, but we've already talked about it. Someone in that RB3 area who you could certainly see someone want to start depending on their situation, someone they want to sit depending on their situation, who you would sit. Uh, Brandon, why don't you take this one first? I'm going to take your guy, the guy you love, Raheem Mostert. I think he oh. is. Uh, he's Ooh. been a regular RB3 going against Detroit. Look, at I, I like Trey Sermon too, but kind of one of my themes in week one is I'm not going to rank rookies as high as I will, you know, during the middle of the season. I, you can, you can go back and look, but like even the best rookies typically week one is their lowest volume and all that. I just really think Raheem Mostert will see a more decided advantage over Trey Sermon in week one and maybe the first couple of weeks and he'll see the rest of the way. And that's going to be to his big advantage against the Detroit Lions. Wait, wait, so Especially- you're saying, you're saying the, the RB three, you want to sit a sermon. This is you well, sit, not start, right? No, this is a, this is RB three. You want to start. No, it's RB three. Who no, you want to sit? This is RB three. You want to sit? But we can I do, listen we can to pay attention. Let's let's well, what? Well, let's pivot. Let's pivot. Let's say an RB three who you definitely want to start. Forget about sit an RB three who you. I was very confused. Like he sounds like he's talking about starting. I, I, I'm listening to you, Beller. Okay, okay. Um, do you want to no, no, do no, no, the? No. We'll stick with it. No, we'll stick okay. with it. So. We're saying an RB3 who we want to start, 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 play him, get him in the lineup. Brandon's got Raheem Mostert. Who do you got, Jake? Someone you want to start. So if I'm digging this deep, Austin Hooper looks like – no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's what it comes down to. I am actually going to take right from Funston's answer, and I'm going to say Sermon, and I'm going to stick with this. And I don't disagree with you in the fact that week one, rookies, all that type of stuff. But what I'm saying here is what I said in the column at The Athletic. I want both of them because who are they facing? The Lions. They're Mm -hmm. going to be running the clock out by halftime. If this game is what we expect it to be, of course, things go sideways in sports all the time. But I think Mostert and Sermon are both walking into 15 plus touches. I would lean towards Mostert getting closer to 20 than Sermon. But even if I got 12 to 13 from Sermon against the Lions, uh, I forget. I think it was either Ian Hardis or Nathan Jockey, one of those guys from over there from PFF, tweeted out the performances against the Lions last year. The worst running back performance last worst was still inside the top 30 last year. And it was Mark Ingram. <laughs> oh man, Matt Patricia, man, he just he had that he had that Midas touch for not being of the New England Patriots defense once he got out of New England. So we don't get to pick on that anymore, but still a nice spot for these. Everybody's picking on Fust and turn off the mic, and now they're saying turn up your headphones and listen. <laughs> Got to turn down the <laughs> headphones a little bit here. But uh, anyway, um, let's get back to a split backfield that I want to talk about here because, again, with where these guys were drafted, you could see starting both of them. You could see starting neither of them, uh, depending on who you have and what else you have around you. Talk about the Broncos, Javante Williams and Melvin Hmm. Gordon. Uh, They are, again, going up against the Giants, the other side of this Broncos-Giants matchup. So, Jake, let's say that 
I guess the only way we can really approach it is let's just say you took these guys at ADP. So you ended up with mm-hmm. Javante Williams generally where he was going. You ended up with Melvin Gordon generally where he was going. How are you handling them in week one? Yeah, I would start both of them if you need to. Lesser, ver- well, so uh, lesser versions of the 49ers, but I would say, I think, look, I don't know that Williams is that far off from Mostert, really, because I'm going to go back to what we said mm-hmm. on last week's show, and nobody, if people missed it, it was, yeah, people were pointing the positive picture if you want on Gordon. This is the positive side of it. People are saying, well, they got him to touches with the first team. They, it's their first opportunity they see him. They still want to see him. They still want him out there. I took it, and a lot of people did, and you can disagree with us, in the fact of they had already seen so much for Javante Williams that he didn't play in the game. He's a rookie who did not touch the field in that game. Like I could understand (laughs) if it was Gordon got all the early run, and then what happened to Michael Carter? Like Got the early run, and then then they brought back Javante, and he was out there with the twos or in the second half. That would have made more sense. This told me Williams is already the guy. Sorry, Melvin Gordon. You're 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 the backup at this point. I still think he gets his work, and it's against the Giants, who the front worries me a little bit, but the linebackers don't. And if you can get past that front line with that Broncos offensive line, I actually think both of them are startable. I would go Williams over Gordon, so I would basically go Mostert, Williams, Sermon, Gordon, and worst case scenario, I think Gordon's still inside the top forty, but I don't want to start him. Yeah, once again, I was going to make the San Francisco comparison. I think they're both startable. <laughs> and once again, I'm actually going to go with the incumbent this week as being slightly better ah, drunk. than, Let's than do the it new bat. guy. Let's do a bet, Beller. Come on. <laughs> How about Javante we do this? Melbourne? How about we go Moster and Gordon for me versus Sermon yes. and uh, Williams for you? I love right. that. You're so you you're so wor- worried about hedging on that one. I like it. I, you uh, yeah, want to no, take the Broncos I, straight I, up? I, I'm, I'm way more worried about hedging on Javante than I am on Sermon. Uh, I feel yeah, I feel exactly. much better about exactly. Mostert. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, if I'll I, still take it. Okay. It's not yes. what I would have. It's not the bet I wanted, but I'll still take it. Beautiful. One of you is going to have to like sing the verse of a of a song next week. We're trying we to increase. Lose. We're trying to, to yeah, increase viewership. All yeah. our listeners. Oh boy! Uh, I've lost dates off of that. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do let's do one more of these. You know, let's do one more of these, and then we are going to talk about that RB three. He might want to sit, but I do want to get into one more backfield pairing. Same exact sort of setup for these two guys. Maybe you could start one. Maybe you could start both. Depends on what you have. What do we think about Chase Edmonds and James Conner against the Titans? And what did we're you just like pull everybody out of my article? <laughs> Yeah, well, Jake, I read your stuff. I'm a devoted fan, not just a friend and a co-host. I'm also a fan of Jake Seeley. What are we doing with these guys, Jake? What are you doing with Edmonds and Connor? Should be a high-scoring game between these teams. Okay, first off, Alex suggesting that the loser sings DuckTales. That's not a losing option. That's the best option possible. I will voluntarily sing DuckTales without even losing. So, like, that's not a loser. I, I Please let me have that. Uh, no, what I wrote about it is the same thing. You guys, I say you on the show or anybody that's been listening, you know I've been off Chase Edmonds at ADP because I thought Chase Edmonds and James Conner should be very close to each other in ADP because while healthy, James Conner, similar to the situation in Detroit, more upside with DeAndre Swift, more upside with Chase Edmonds. And I probably stole another team that Brandon was going to compare possibly that I just do three in a row. So <laughs> it comes down to it's this it's Edmonds and Swift and it's Williams. And the situation here is very much it's very much the same as James Conner will be the goal line guy. James Conner will be the lead when they need to run out of the clock. But in this instance, this week, I have Edmonds higher because Tennessee pushes the pace because they're so efficient, not because they're a high-paced team, but because they score very easily, very quickly. This is one of the higher over-unders. I think it's 52 or 53 now at this point, right, Beller? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think part of it is that because Cardinals are going to have to throw. Funston's mentioned this a couple times that Kyler Murray wants to throw more. And if that's the case, it's Edmonds over Connor. Yep, I have uh, Edmonds as like the a, a high end RB three, and Connor as a low end RB three. Yeah, about the same. Yeah, and it's kind of like I almost look at Connor as a rookie. You know, he, he's he's new to the system as well. And again, I just think the incumbent is going to have the advantage in week one, in addition to all the advantages that Jake just talked about with pushing the pace and with Kyler wanting to throw more and Chase Edmonds being the lead guy in the in the backfield in that department. So, yep, I'm I'm right there with him. Still 51 and a half is the over under, at least on bet MGM, but that over is one of my favorite plays of the weekend. These are two teams that were among the fastest paced neutral game situation teams last year. They ranked second and third in the league in that stat. Only Buffalo was faster than these two teams in neutral situations. And very little has changed about the personnel that would think you that they are going to change the way that they play on offense let's get back to that question an rb3 who you might want to sit it's sit funston an rb3 who you might want to sit this week who do you got this isn't a ripe group let me tell you so don't get mad at me for throwing out zach moss but he's technically an rb3 in you oh, know yeah. adp and i wouldn't want to play him this week i probably don't want to play him most weeks if i if i can avoid it but uh against the steelers and for a team that doesn't really want to run the ball a whole lot, that still has Devin Singletary mix, I you know I'm I'm kind of out on Bills running backs this week for sure. Boom! I also I was gonna say there's actually four teams. I don't want the Buccaneers. <laughs> I don't want the Bills. I don't want the Texans. And I don't want wait. There's a four. Oh, the Jets. None yeah. of them. I don't want any of those backfields if at all possible. Yes, I have one ranked highest of all mm-hmm. four teams. But, you know, just go to Buc- – and people, this would be hindsight if you're watching it on Friday. But you'll see in tonight's game, if depending on when you're listening for the Buccaneers, a perfect example of why I don't want these backfields is because if Tampa Bay comes out early and somehow controls that game is not what we're expecting, it could be Ronald Jones. If they're passing the entire time, it could be Geo. If it's a mix, it could be Fournette. Like, week one, <laughs> avoid all these backfields wherever possible. Yeah, the Jets one is an interesting one, and again, one we're going to watch very closely in that Jets Carolina game. And that I actually, mean, depending on who you team. read, some people say Tevin, some people say Ty Johnson. Like, which is it then? Yeah, we're 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 really not going to know until uh, Sunday, and of course, we know that could all change down the line because of Michael Carter. Which brings us to this question from Phil Mike. Phil, thanks for joining us today. Last bench spot, Trey Lance or Michael Carter? That's really what this question is getting at here. If you're if you're using a bench spot on one of these guys and only one of these guys, who is it, Funston? Yeah, it'd be Michael Carter. Uh, you know, I just feel like Trey Lance is a second half guy only, and only if things kind of go off the rails for San Fran. If Jimmy Garoppolo does, mm-hmm. you know, just does a serviceable job, this is a playoff team, and they're not going to rock that boat. I don't think. Yep. 100% agree uh, on the Carter train and on the one that I don't think Lance starts unless things go sideways and the 49ers fall out of the playoffs. Could be wrong, but I just I don't see why they do it. I will make that unanimous. We've made the comparison time and time and time again to the 2021 49ers being very similar to those 2017 Chiefs that let Patrick Mahomes sit all year and had a very nice team under Alex Smith. Let's get on to the wide receiver position and let's start with Brandon Cooks against Jacksonville. Jake, you were beating the drum for him all draft season, so keep on beating it here in week one. What do you got for Cooks? <laughs> it's so simple. Volume, done, period. I have a top 30 wide receiver. I think I might even have him close to the top 25. It's just yeah, pure yeah. volume. It, like, it comes down to is that people are talking up Nico Collins, deservedly so. But 
they're like, is he past Chris Conley? Yeah, he's like, who cares? <laughs> like, like I legitimately, what was it? Did they just signed Danny Amendola. Like, somebody was like, does Danny Amendola do anything for your Chris? Like, are, we're talking about Danny. Am- <laughs> we're talking practice. We're talking Danny Amendola. We're Danny Amendola. Not talking the game. We're talking Danny Amendola. Uh, Brandon Cooks volume, and that's really what it comes down to. No matter the matchup, if it's a slow pace, high pace, whatever it is. Uh, Brandon Cooks, I can't see ever being outside my top 35, even in the slowest, uh, like, under game that you could possibly find still. You know, he's walking into at least five targets minimum. Yeah, I have him, I have him close to your wide receiver 35 bottom. Um, I just I just worry, man. It's Tarot, Tarot Taylor. Um, it's just, I, I, as I just kind you know of who's like good a- with Tyra Taylor? Sammy Watkins. Sammy he was Watkins. a top. Thank you, top fifteen wide receiver with Tyra Taylor. I'm just one saying, like season he had like 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Think about where you might have had Keenan Allen in Week One last year with Terod Taylor at quarterback, and he gets the volume. He got eight targets. He caught four balls for 36 yards. I mean that that's that's my concern with with Brandon Cooks. I just don't know that we're going to have a rhythm. Here, here, oh, real quick. No, no, no. You're right. I, I will say this. Here's my one pushback, Brandon, on that. You are 100% right. And that eight targets is what I keep saying. 50%, even if he only catches 50%. Here's the difference is yards per reception for Cooks versus Allen. Allen wasn't even 10 yards per reception last year with Herbert. So Cooks is going to – four would probably be more like 60. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you, you could be right. And then, he, you know, if he gets 60 yards and doesn't get into the end zone, is he at you – know, Still he, eight points. Yeah, that's still yeah. top thirty. I, I have my concerns. I'll just say, and I don't think Brandon Cooks is running by C.J. Henderson and Shaquille Griffin. They actually have some big, fast corners for Jacksonville. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I'm a little bit leery. You could be right. I'm. We'll, we'll find out is on he Sunday. The wide receiver three you want to bench? He, he would be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if he if he weren't already talked about, but you're going to have to come up for, with someone else before we get to that discussion. Uh, you know what? Someone else who maybe could have been in that on on maybe the start discussion. At least he would have been more interesting if you talked about him as the starter. Would be Devonte Smith. Uh, but we're going to talk about him now. We're going to make sure he gets in the show. Devonte Smith and the Eagles going to Atlanta. Three three and a half point dogs, depending on where you look. Devonte Smith, of course, had the summer where he had a little bit of an injury, but going into Week One fully healthy. Brandon, where do you stand on this Philadelphia rookie? Uh, wide receiver forty uh, again. This is going to be my narrative for this Week One rookies, and you know, and again, Jalen Hurts. I have serious questions about him as a passer, and, and eventually maybe he'll get there where we start to see some some kind of consistency uh but i don't know that it's in week one and i went back and looked at jalen hurts when he was thrown for 300 yards in back-to-back games last year and go look at the the receivers like two catches here two catches there the guys that really did the damage were the tight ends um i just think it's going to be a work in progress to get Devontae smith kind of there kind of like how i feel about brandon cooks and, and tarod taylor so um yeah, I'm down on Devontae Smith for Week One, and and we're and kind of going to be interested to see how how the you know the combination looks. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I think he's got more upside than most people in that range. And somebody even noticed it. I saw added the projections to the rankings this year, so people could see. It's just from wide receiver 25 down to wide receiver 35 is one fantasy point. <laughs> from wide receiver 35 down to wide receiver 49. 
is one fantasy point, another mm-hmm. one fantasy point. So two fantasy points to go essentially from 25 to 50, uh, how nar- narrow this gap is. So if you want to make an argument, he should be 10 spots higher. I'm not going to sit here and argue for 30 minutes with you about it. And I'm not saying that like to be smart. I'm just saying like this is a very narrow group of things. One catch can make the difference. So I'm with Brandon, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like I, like I said, a lot of the guys I have in this range, do I think he's got a higher ceiling than, you know, Jerry Judy, DJ Shark, uh, possibly Jarvis Landry, a higher ceiling, sure. But you know, those some of those guys for the questions we have just rank slightly in front of them. All right, well, let's stick in that range and stay there. And we are going to go to start. It is still start. We're going to go start first. A wide receiver three. You want to start this week, Jake? Who you got? Oh, I thought you were going to go to Fustin first because to make sure he got it right. <laughs> we want to set the tone right with you. Make sure he listens and hears it. No, he's saying good things, so it's a start. Who how about the fact? How about that? I'll, I'll technically cheat with this one and make him a wide receiver four, according to consensus. Sure, how about yeah. that? Yeah. How about that's fine. How about when Brandon brought up Carson Wentz, how is Michael Pittman not being treated as at least a wide receiver three, if not more, with no Mm -hmm. T.Y. Hilton? And the excitement people have over Pittman's talent and the fact that he's going against Seattle and in this game, like... I don't get it. I don't get like what they think that he's going to get triple covered in this game. Maybe okay, then no Michael Pittman. But Michael Pittman, I'm surprised that he's still outside the, the 40s for a lot of people. Yeah, and throw Zach Pascal in there as a wide receiver six. It oh, should be you. A, that should be a wide receiver five or four this week as well. I, I'm with you. I, I would say Debo's been a consistent wide receiver three in the rankings, and I think he is a wide receiver two this week, especially with Ayuk's you know health. Um, he may only have to, you know, do a whole lot for a half, as Jake said, and there could be a big lead and it could be a whole lot of running in the second half. But uh, I think Debo leads the way for the 49ers receivers this week. And there's always a threat for him on jet sweeps, you know, to get a little bit of extra point. And those can make a big difference, as Jake just talked about. So uh, I have Debo at 22 this week. All right, guys, when I was putting this together, I was looking uh, just at your, all your rankings, of course. How else would I put this together? And both of you had one wide receiver stand out as surprising me with how low you were on him. So I'm going to ask the person who's low, and then the other one can you know, give their input, of course. So I'm going to start with uh, with Jake here because, you know, Jake, you were a big Marvin Jones fan all off-season long, all draft season long, and then you've got him down in, what, the mid-30s, somewhere in that wide receiver 35, 36, 37 range. So why so high to go so low in week one? <laughs> That's it's funny. Like, there's a couple of these that I got. I got that, like, too, with the Brandon Cooks. Uh, uh, or, no, it wasn't Brandon Cooks. It was somebody else besides Marvin Jones. But anyway... Again, it just goes back to this doesn't feel like a game where Jacksonville has to pass that much. And it really has to do with the fact that Shark is back for this game. Marvin Jones missed a little bit of time after the third priest, during the third preseason game. And then after that, it's still not 100%. I still believe in Marvin Jones, still have him higher than DJ Shark. It just comes down to the fact of this feels like a, a controlled game from Jacksonville. And it comes down to projections. I could actually tell you, I, I've, I'll tell you, I'll rip off Trevor Lawrence's project, current projections. I'm going to update it later today. But I have it for 256 and 1.7 touchdowns. Like, I don't even have it for two touchdowns. That just tells you, like, I don't expect a lot of passing for Jacksonville. That's all it really matters. Yeah. I, where do you have Where do you have Marvin Jones overall? Uh, he's, he's lower 30s, I think. Somewhere, yeah, like, yeah. not even be close to 40, like, somewhere right around there. Yeah, yeah. Closer, yeah, closer I think to I'm, 40. I think I'm right there sure. with you at, like, 39. So, yeah, no, no qualms with that whatsoever. All right, Brandon, your guy who I was like, eh, 
a little surprised he was kind of low, although I think you've pretty much explained it in this episode, uh, is Jamar Chase. And you've been saying the thing about starting off rookies slow, and so I think that's probably what the factor is here. But uh, explain why you've got Jamar Chase where you've got him. Yeah, I'll just put an exclamation point on the whole point I've been trying to make is, you know, take the top four rookie wide receivers from last year. And Justin Jefferson was one of the greatest ones of all time. His week one was two catches for 39 yards or for two two catches, two catches for 26 yards. Chase Claypool, two catches for 39 yards. CeeDee Lamb, five catches for 59 yards. T. Higgins, the number one receiver on, on, on Jamar Chase's team is three catches for 35 yards. So. All those receivers had really good rookie seasons. Their first week was completely dismissible. And I'm kind of just driving, you know, I'm driving that narrative train. Choo-choo. Jake, you got a uh, rebuttal there? <laughs> well, we should have got Lenny Milnick on the show. So a rookie is a rookie is a rookie. Like, I'm not really that like guy, a... but I am for week one. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> but you knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Anyway, that, that speaks to maybe the one person listening in the polo from baseball <laughs> and knows Lenny Milnick. Uh, but that's really what it comes down to. I'm not going to disagree with you too hard on this one. I, I do have Jamar Chase in the same range as Marvin Jones as well. And it mostly comes down to is that the to be patient with them. I've said this a million times, but they don't need him to start hard. They don't need they don't need him to go out there. They have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. And the that being the biggest reason is they might not even have Chase on the field for two wide out sets. And if that's the case, there's like diminished opportunity. Yeah. Could be a high scoring game, but uh, you know, it's good to maybe if you if you have the luxury to wait and see with Chase, can see why that's the route that you would take. How about Kenny Galladay, you guys? Obviously, it's been a banged-up nope. summer for him. We really didn't see him at all. And Jake shaking his head no, and I think that's probably the way to go here, especially with this being a late kick. You know, this is in New York, but this is a 425 Eastern time kickoff. Uh, so you are maybe going to be making a decision on Kenny Galladay without knowing for sure if he's playing or not. Brandon, does that make it easy just to say forget about him and we'll check back in in week two? Yeah, I mean, we had questions anyways. It's the Daniel Jones question. It's the defense that he's going against question in Denver. And, yeah, I think, you know, there's there's so much uneasiness with the Giants and then with the health of, of Galladay that why 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 force that, you know? Um, this is a good week that if you can avoid it, just just sit back and watch how things play out. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. I mean, that little gif of the, what is it, the octopus going by? Nope, uh, not doing it. <laughs> Even if he's ready for week one, still not doing it. Even yeah. if we knew yeah. Sunday morning, Kenny Galladay is 100% playing for this game. Not doing it. Not against the Broncos defense. Not with no rapport built with Daniel Jones, who already, mm -hmm. again, I don't know how many times I say this. This is similar to DeAndre Swift can love the player, not the situation. Yes, I know Daniel Jones is a better deep ball thrower than people think he is, and you can look at the metrics that back it up. He is not a good thrower to contested receivers. That is Kenny Galladay's game. I never liked the fit for this. Maybe they develop as the season goes on, but if you don't want to start Jamar Chase and your hesitancy of not seeing what you want to see in the preseason, we haven't seen anything from Kenny Galladay on the Giants, period. He hasn't even developed anything with Daniel Jones yet. Now watch him really, go score 80 in a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, in that uh, sort of uh, position where you're going to want to see at least something from him before you throw him in there. We haven't done, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, we're all over the place. It's week one. It's exciting. We haven't done a wide receiver three. You might want to sit yet. Have we? We need to still do this, right? So no. let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Brandon, get in here first. A wide receiver three. We'll you might want to sit. Well, I think every Jacksonville receiver has been a wide receiver three um, at, you know, at some point. <laughs> I don't have any of them ranked as a wide receiver three this week. I would want to sit them for the reasons Jake's mentioned and we've talked about already. 
I have a I have Chase Claypool down at the very very back end of the wide receiver three range. I I don't like him this week against the Bills. He's the lowest volume guy. Um, I don't know that he's you know going to get get away with a big play in this game. So uh, for me, I'm like okay, I'm going to put you at the very back end of the wide receiver three, but I'm very uneasy about him. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I don't have him quite at the back. Oh no, I, he's 33 for me. Uh, I'm going to go to somebody who is in the 30s, but not in the 30s for me. And it comes down to quarterback last year. He did have three wide receivers inside the top 30, but he didn't throw a lot of touchdowns. And again, that last game with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy wasn't on the field for too wide. I don't know if that's one game. I hope it's just one game. Again, I love Jerry Judy. Everybody out there, I do not hate Jerry Judy. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Go back and look at my rookie profiles from last year's draft class. I love Jerry Judy, the player. I don't like what I'm seeing, and I don't like this matchup. This is People don't realize. Like, Forget, they brought in a Dory Jackson, who was a number one corner before this, is now asked to be the number two corner with one of the better corners in the league on the flip side of the ball with James Bradbury. This is a tough-ass secondary, including the safeties. And you know I love the crap on the Giants. So if I'm saying this about the Giants, like, <laughs> it's true. and it doesn't, and for this game, for this game to, for the Broncos to walk away with an easy win, they could just slam it down their throats with the run game and not ask Teddy to do that much. So it doesn't have anything to do with Judy. It's just the matchup. And I do want to see him on the field and too wide, at least for one game before I just definitively put him into my lineup. Yeah, talent, opportunity, and environment, all three of those things that we're always talking about in the fantasy world, the environment, maybe not great for Jerry Judy in week one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, guys, let's wrap up the show with looking at the tight end position. And we always do things a little bit differently at tight end just because of the nature of the position. We know that the elite of the elite, you're going to be playing them every single week. And then we've got a lot of fringy guys who you can make an argument for or against. So I'm going to ask you, this question instead. And Jake, you can take this one first. Among those fringy guys, among, um, you know, I don't know, Tyler Higby, who you actually like a bit, and Dallas Goddard and Johnny Smith, guys like that, who most needs a successful week one to feel good about them as a consistent starter going forward? <laughs> I, I I hate this tight end. So I'm going to, but this is why, like I've actually ended up with this tight end on a few teams. I hate, as you notice, I don't even want to say his name because I've hated him for years because for years it's been, you draft this tight end, put him in your lineup every single week because you can't predict the matchups. He'll go legs up against a good opponent and then he'll go ballistic against the worst opponent possible. It's Jared Cook. And the reason I say this is because of week one is because everybody's on Donald Parham and maybe the rookie mm -hmm. and all this type of stuff. Like McKitty's going to do something. And like Jared Cook, if everybody believes Justin Herbert's thrown for 4,500 yards and 30 plus touchdowns again, and Jared Cook's their lead tight end. And it, so I say a good for, for good week one, if he's out there 70% of the time, Mm -hmm. Again, I hate him, but now, like, <laughs> I hated Amari Cooper for years because everybody always wanted to take him in the second, third round, and he was frustrating until he became, you know, what he was and what he was with Dak Prescott. But I can change my opinion. The fact that Jared Cook's out there that much and he produces in week mm -hmm. one, I, I think he puts himself in the conversation as a fringe tight end one. 
Can I go? I'll go my guy. I'll go higher than what you were asking for since Jake went a little bit lower than what you were asking for. And I'll say Logan Thomas because if Curtis Samuel, Ooh, okay. Curtis Samuel, I mean, Logan Thomas was kind of like that prize for a lot of people who skipped on the first six tight ends thinking, oh, he, yep. you know, we, I still got a really good value on a tight end and I didn't have to pay that premium cost. But if he goes out there and doesn't do anything with maybe Curtis Samuel not even being on the field and it's Terry McLaurin and it's Logan Thomas and it's the Chargers who were a good matchup last year. If he doesn't do anything, I think people are going to freak out because they're going to say, oh, he was a product of Alex Smith, the game manager, the dump down guy. And this isn't this isn't a good a good deal if he can't show up when he's probably very clearly should have been the number two option in that passing game. I think uh, that that'll sound some alarms for some people. Yeah, that, I think that definitely would, and that's a good one. And I was a, one of those people who was, you know, very often trying to hit that Logan Thomas sweet spot. So I definitely am expecting big things, you know, with or without Curtis Samuel. Frankly, I think there should there should be enough in that offense to support three consistent receiving options. And even if Curtis Samuel is out there, good reason to think he's not one hundred percent in this game. So I am definitely expecting some big things from Logan Thomas, and would feel pretty let down if that does not come to fruition in the uh, Washington Chargers game. Another one of the more fun games on the slate this weekend. Let's wrap things up with one final question here at the tight end, tight end position, guys. Again, a lot of people are going to go into this week feeling you know okay ish about their tight end, but not necessarily married to who they have in week one. Is there a possible? waiver wire darling at this position Brandon and maybe even to the extent that if you had a roster spot to play with you would try to get ahead of him being next week's popular waiver wire guy even if you feel decent about who you've already got as your tight end I'll throw out two options Gerald Everett's been a guy that I've you know and I think Jake's also in on him as well and if he has a big big week one and I think people get pretty excited about Gerald Everett if you know if he comes out week one with Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator there um, but the, I'll go the deeper one is if Juwan Johnson does anything for the Saints, people get excited. Who's the last guy to have a wide receiver tight end designation for the Saints in a Yahoo league? <laughs> Marcus Colston, man. Marcus Colston. People are getting pretty excited about a guy who's a for- former college receiver <laughs> who, uh, you know, with a, a lot of opportunity there in that Saints passing game for people to step up. I can I can see people getting really excited about Johnson if he has a good game. Uh, so wait, he's technically not a rookie. He was undrafted last year, so I guess you get get a pass on that one. Did instance. I? I don't, I don't think I called him a rookie. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant like, but he's close enough. And the fact, like, he, I don't think he played at all last year, right? Uh, uh I think he had a couple catches. He had like seven catches. Yeah. I want to say. Did it? Did he get it on the board yeah. a couple? Th- all right, fair. Enough. Uh, look, so here. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I thought this was so I initially had this as like any. I didn't know this was tight end Beller. I had somebody else. I'll throw it out there. Mm. I'll give you the name anyway. I thought this was just a, wa- yeah, a week, w- week two waiver darling. The people I'll go get Elijah yeah, Moore. James, James, like Elijah Moore is still way too widely available for the fact that James and Crowder is already dealing with tissue and core injuries and all this type of stuff and might not play. Cold go get this. Elijah. If, if, if he goes <laughs> off in week one, people are going to wake up and go ballistic for Elijah Moore. So stash him now. Tight end. I'll say this. It might finally. Just like Corey Davis, Devontae Parker, it took years and years and years and years for it to happen, but it might be Chris Herndon time because (laughs) this is the only reason. You know, I've been the person who said I didn't like Irv Smith because of the 12 sets and how much they share their tight ends. That's why I said, eh, on Gerald Everett. I'm with you, Funston. If he's out there 70% of the time and not 50-50 with Disley, I'm with you, but that's my concern. But now Conklin's banged up too. I'm just saying, like... We might finally get a Herndon 70 yards and a touchdown, and then people are going to lose their minds because it finally happened for Chris Herndon. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. 
Yeah. That it be I mean that would be the like just the it would be like all the all the pent up like Kristen Michael uh <laughs> angst over the years would finally get released in Chris Herndon if he's able to do something in this week one game. And guys, I think we just did a whole lot of something on this week one ranking show here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. That is going to be the end of our episode. You can right now go in if you're not an athletic subscriber. Go to the athletic.com slash fantasy football pod, get fifty percent off your first year with the athletic. Everything we do, it's not just fantasy, it's not just football, every single thing at The Athletic comes with that subscription. So go ahead, get in and join us for all the fun. Me, Jake, and Brandon, we are done here. Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast returns on a Friday with me, Zach Jackson, and Vic Tafer taking a look at the week one lines minus the Thursday night game, of course, because that game will have already happened. The three of us, we are back with you on Monday, breaking down what we saw in week one and taking a look ahead to the week two waiver wire. Enjoy tonight's game. Have a great weekend of football. We are all pumped. We hope you are as well. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Thank you.